Dave and Ryan's movie review. Take three and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by Nobody. Hey, how we doing this week? We are here ready to talk more movies for the next little while. Um, Brian, we have a great show coming up, and, and I don't want to tease too much of it because here is the greatest thing. Uh, we've been doing this for quite a while. We've accumulated quite a few movies that we've gone and seen as far as summer movies and things like that. And the one today that we're going to talk about it really has been my favorite so far. I know you didn't like oh, it, so I know, save it. I know. It. You you were fanboying the entire time. Save it. Save it for when we do the review, okay? Because we'll get there in just a moment. But, of course, the first thing that we've got to do when we start it off, we got to talk about Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, a place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, so to start off this week, we got to talk about, sadly, a death in This Week in Hollywood. Uh, Treat Williams, 71 years old, died in a motorcycle accident. And, uh, you know, the last thing that I can really remember Treat Williams being in was What Happens in Vegas. Yeah, he was Ashton Kutcher's dad in that movie, and and great movie. But he had some great things. Uh, Prince of the City from 1981 is one of the things that he's really remembered for. Um, also, he was in the movie Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Yeah, which was an interesting flick if you've never seen it. Uh, but then he spent most of his time afterwards in you know television so shows. Uh, he was on Blue Bloods, uh, Chesapeake Shores, and Everwood was a big one that was filmed right here in Utah. So, oh, yeah. I remember watching Everwood as a, as a kid. Uh, a lot of people remember him from that, but Treat Williams uh, sadly dies in a motorcycle accident at 71. Uh, one of the movies that we talked about last week, Transformers Rise of the Beast, had a big opening weekend. Oh, yeah. Pretty big. I, I believe it was the biggest opening that any Transformers movie has had. Yes. So that's a good sign. Of course, uh, knocked down uh, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse into second place. And then Little Mermaid landed in third Ooh. for the week. Kind of fading. Yeah. Huh? And it's not boding well. Well, it, it's been out for about three weeks now. So, you know, you can't stay at the top forever. There's always a new movie coming out. So you can't expect much. It's very true. But it doesn't have the staying power that Disney was hoping for, I'm, I'm thinking. And that's kind of what I've heard and what I've read on that one. And then um, one, just to tag on here at the very end, the Hollywood Foreign Press was sold. Yes. And, and what the Hollywood Foreign Press is, is you have all of these different reporters that report on things going on in Hollywood that are from across the globe, across the world, hence the name Hollywood Foreign Press. Well, they've come under fire in the last few years, so the, the organization as a whole has been sold now. And the organization was actually shuttered. But they're going to spin off part of it for, uh, you know, like charitable contributions and things like that. But the other big thing that they do is they host the Golden Globes every year. 
And you were talking about the Golden Globes earlier in the week about how huge the Golden Globes used to be. Yeah, the Golden Globes are basically um, the Oscars before the Oscars. Um, before uh, the Oscars, uh, the Golden Globes would hand out awards, and uh, usually um, because the Academy Awards or the Oscars, it's gotten really political. Um, you know, people have to campaign for their movies to win an award. Actors have to campaign. But with the Golden Globes, what it used to be was they gave the best person or the best film the award, and they didn't always match up with the Oscars, but... They used to have a prestige. It's shocking. You're telling me that they used to give awards to the best actors that were actually really good in a movie? Who would have thought? Who'd have thunk? So there, there's just a little bit of uh, news from Hollywood this week. We've got a really good show. Like I said, uh, we're going to review The Flash. I have been waiting for this movie Meh. for a long time. Ryan was not impressed, but that'll be okay. We'll talk more <laughs> about that. Uh, this could get heated. We may end the show after after we're talking about The Flash. I may make Dave cry. He, he's going to try, but I, I don't think he's going to succeed today. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about, you know, China. And, and this was kind of an interesting topic because I keep seeing it pop up. And why is China so important to Hollywood and to movie making right yeah, now. We will talk about that later. That is a, a big, big ball of things that we need to pull out of there. A There's a lot that's tied into it. That's true. That's true. And then today we're going to talk cult classics. And we've each kind of picked our favorite. I personally am going to talk about Dazed and Confused. You know, uh, it's the first movie that anybody can really remember Matthew McConaughey being a part of. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that. And Ryan has picked... Napoleon Dynamite. There you not go. a favorite. <laughs> not a, not a favorite. Of not yours. a fan. Even though it was just like an indie movie, you're still not into it, huh? No. Okay. So we've got that coming up. But before we get going, we also always, always have to listen to the man in the dark room, and that is with an honest movie review. Here we go. Welcome into another honest movie review. Today, we go back to 2000 for the American science fiction film Battlefield Earth, starring John Travolta. When we attacked your planet, all your soldiers and all their advanced technology could only put up a measly nine-minute fight before they were exterminated, which is why man is an endangered species. The best way for me to describe this movie would be a cross between Star Wars and poop. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one, action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it, so you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest release is The Flash. The 
Flash uses his superpowers to travel back in time to change the events of the past. He becomes trapped in a reality in which General Zod has returned, threatening annihilation. With no other superheroes to turn to, the Flash looks to coax a very different Batman out of retirement and rescue an imprisoned Kryptonian, albeit not the one he's looking for. Let's hear what Dave and Ryan think about The Flash, now playing nationwide. I have been waiting for this movie to come out ever since they said that Michael Keaton was going to be in it. And it did not disappoint. Eh, I beg to differ. I, I don't get where you're coming from with this. but Oh, no. Michael Keaton was amazing. Michael Keaton was, uh, once again, uh, we're, we'll give you a little rundown of the movie itself and kind of not give away too much as to what happens because there's a lot that goes on that you can't know about until you see it. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. So Barry Miller played her Barry Miller. Barry Allen played by Ezra Miller. Let's put it that mm -hmm. way. Uh finds a way that he can go back in time. Which doesn't make sense to which, me. But that's okay. It's not it's a movie. Have fun with it. Oh no, time travel in other movies makes sense. This This one doesn't? Does not. Okay. But anyway, you can have your moment in a minute. Okay. okay. Sorry, I'm still in your spotlight. <laughs> Go ahead, fanboy. But out. if anybody has, has read or read the Flashpoint Paradox or seen the animated feature of the Flashpoint Paradox, it's loosely based on that. He finds a way that he can go back in time and tries to save his mom. The problem with that is it's it's the butterfly effect. Yeah. You change one thing and it just splinters everything else. And when he finally lands at a home base that he thinks is where he should be, he's there probably about 10 years too early, maybe. Yeah, Never really roughly, says. Roughly about 10 years. Doesn't really give you an idea. But anyway, so he finds his mom's still alive. Yeah. So that means his dad was not arrested and thrown in prison for her murder, nope. which is cool. Yeah. But then he comes to find out that now. He's a complete idiot. He is. The younger Barry is a complete idiot. Yes. And Zod is coming back to take over the planet. Yes. Now, Zod is a throwback to uh, the Superman movie, Man of Steel. Yep. And he is trying to track down the DNA of everybody in that was part of Krypton so he can start the planet over and this, that, and the other. So he comes to find out that Zod is there, and he knows that he can't stop him. Yeah. So he has to find... Superman in this universe, we'll call it. Yeah, there's there's something in uh, Superman's DNA that is some sort of key to rebirthing Krypton. It's supposedly. Yeah. Yes. So Barry knows that the only way that he can stop Zod is to find Superman in this universe. Yeah. And he doesn't know where to start. No. Well, all of a sudden he remembers he's got a friend named Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. After after searching for other people and not finding him, he finally re remembers. Oh yeah, the richest guy in the world. You know, just right across the pond. Oh, yeah, I should have seen him all along. So he goes to visit Bruce Wayne, and it is not his Bruce Wayne. No, it is. It is my it is, Bruce Wayne from nineteen eighty nine, Michael Keaton. Yes, and I will tell you this right now: Keaton carries this whole movie. The gentleman that directed the movie was uh, in an interview said if Keaton would have told them no, 
they don't know if this movie ever would have gotten made, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, when you I see believe it. that. I believe that. So I don't want to get Ezra Miller and Michael Keaton are about the only two people that I can tell you are in this movie without giving too much away. Yeah, and Ezra's in there twice. And Ezra is in there <laughs> twice. So I loved this movie. I truly did. Um, but I've been waiting for this movie. Yes, you have. We talked about this just before we came in here. We talked about the fact that if you take the Nolan trilogy out, which to me is probably one of the best trilogies of DC or any real superhero type movies, if you take that out, this one for me is on par, if not better, than the first Wonder Woman movie with Gal Gadot. I would disagree. Um, I would say it's on par. I wouldn't say it's better. There was a few um, loopholes or plot holes, I would would say. Um, some of the animation or the CGI was just gummy bears. Um, the cinematography was good in the movie. It looked amazing. Um, the acting was good. Uh, but like I said earlier, the whole going back in time thing doesn't make sense even bruce wayne in the movie says that he can run faster than the speed of light he's running forward forward so why isn't he going forward in time why is he going backwards in time that doesn't make sense that's because you didn't really look at the fact when he got into what they call the, the when, arena. When, you, when you're running, you're going forward. Even in the original Superman movies, he flies the opposite direction of Earth to turn back time. He's going straight. Okay, but if you remember when he's in what they called the arena, he is stuck there and he is actually running backwards. No, he was nah. running forward. No, he was not. He had to slide. He ran forward he had to, to slide get there. Stop. He ran forward to get there. Yeah. See, and then once he got forward. caught in the bubble, he made it into the, the arena. bubble of lies, okay. Dave. Anyway, once he got into the arena, he was running backwards. Either way, it works. Okay. Does it? It does. Because of the fact that, you know, let's throw everything out. Okay. Okay. Did you have fun watching this movie? I didn't say I didn't. I'm just saying well, that's that it asking. doesn't make sense. Why does it have to make sense? Because it's a movie. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to live in fairy t- fairyland, yeah. Ooh, ooh, so, the flash with gumdrops and berries and fairies. Okay, okay. So last week, <clears throat> you could buy a car that talked because it was an alien from a different planet. But no. now you're getting hung up on this. The Transformers... Made sense. They didn't go forward to go backwards. I'm just, no, I'm just asking. So, I'm just but saying you can buy that part. But I'm, you not, can't buy I'm this. not saying superhero movies aren't believable. I'm saying that particular part about him going back in time doesn't make sense. Okay. I'll give you that. And you also, we also said that this whole movie, or you actually brought this point up. You brought up the point that this whole movie can really be summed up in three down words. in three words. It's Barry's fault. Yes. And the other thing that I like about that, though, is if you watched the, the show that was on the CW with Grant Gustin, they got so fed up with Barry going and messing with the timeline because he did. And so many there were so many 
season enders that was him was about him messing with the timeline and coming back and things were different. Hmm. So that, that, that's kind of I liked that tie into it. Uh, the other thing about this movie, there are so many cameos. If you go online and 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 see that there are you know this person's in it and that person's in it. Can and that you person's really call them cameos though? Well. Maybe just a couple of cameos then. There was a few cameos, and then the rest there, was, of them were, there were CGIs. The rest of them were poorly done CGI. Yes, very poorly done. However, okay, at the end of the day, I still gave this movie four popcorn buckets. You did, and I gave it three. And we knew this was going to be a battle going in because you didn't buy into it to begin with. I did not. I am not a DC <laughs> fan. Um you know, I've watched the animated uh, movies growing up. You know, um, just, just just the whole DC universe and some of the characters around there. Like we talked earlier during, the, they just don't fit into our society now at all. Well, and, and the way that they did it, it's so muddled, and it's so this, and they've got this guy here, but this guy here, but this guy plays this guy in this series, and this guy plays a different guy in this series, and it's just so muddled, and that's why DC hopefully, has brought in James Gunn. Yeah, hopefully he can clear things up. There is, there's a, a part of this movie that kind of makes you realize that, and you correct me if I'm wrong, and you tell me what you think, that Ezra Miller is not part of James Gunn's DC Universe. Um, I don't know. James Gunn hasn't made any DC movies yet. But I'm what he's got planned. I am not one hundred sure about that. But speaking of, you know, with all the multiple series and stuff, you know, in this movie there was a great metaphor about different timelines. It was a bowl full of spaghetti. It, it it makes sense. It does, and that's basically the whole DC universe. It's just a giant bowl of spaghetti that doesn't make sense because things are going in all these different ways. In I know a lot of people hate me, but in the Marvel universe, they use the same character in the show, in the movies and the show to keep things constant. DC doesn't do that. They cast multiple people. And then when they go to make movies, this movie kind of set up the whole timeline split thing for them that will kind of save them in the end because, oh, no, that was just different timelines. That's right. That was that was pre this. Yeah. That, that And that's what I'm saying. It kind of this movie really I think obliterates any previous DC movie that came out before this one. And I'm even talking about the good ones with Wonder Woman. There was only one good one with Wonder Woman. We both, well, we but I'm just saying, that. I'm talking about the Wonder Woman character, because I'll be totally honest with you, outside of Cavill, uh, Gal Gadot casting as Wonder Woman was probably the only one that worked for me. Yeah, I will, I will agree. But they're even throwing that away. I, I, I'm, I feel like that's what this movie means. Well, it'll be very exciting to see uh, how things go moving forward. And James Gunn just came out this week and said that Blue Beetle, which is another DC movie that's coming out this fall, is the first movie in his DC universe. So we'll Ooh. see how it goes. Nice. See how it goes. But go see it. It, yeah. it was a great movie. Um, and if that's not your thing, if you want to go to the King Cole Theater, they still have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. They will also have uh, Elemental which is a Disney Pixar yep. movie that looks really good. 
And then at the Price Theater, they still have Rise of the Beast, Transformers Rise of the Beast. Great movies, all of them. Get out there, have some fun. Yep, go see the movies. And go see the movies. All right, that's going to do it for this movie review. I I think we're still friends after that. Oh, uh, I'm never doubt. Okay. All right. So coming up, we're going to talk about China. Is is China that important to Hollywood? It's more important than you think. We'll talk about that coming up in just a sec. These idiots were back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two, and action. A movie release in this country is pretty common, hence the reason Dave and Ryan spend so much time at the theater. But a release in this country is only half the battle. Movies with such huge investments cannot count on the U.S. market alone. And each year, 34 movies are given the opportunity to strut their stuff in China. Because it's so difficult to get a movie into China, Hollywood studios will not hesitate to milk that opportunity when given the chance. Because, like America, China also has bad taste in movies. Stop it! Oh, you don't believe me? The Fast and Furious 7 is a top 25 grossing movie of all time in China. Yikes! Let's go to Dave and Ryan, and they'll tell you about the importance of being one of the 34 foreign movies a year that make it to the big screens in China. So the reason that this seems really interesting to me is because all the time when they're talking about new movies that are coming out, they're always talking about this one is going to China, this one was allowed to go into China, this one was not. And one of the main reasons that you and I talked about the uh, U.S. cinema being so huge there is the fact that Chinese cinema is not that great. No. uh, In Chinese cinema, the effects are amazing. Um, The CGI, all that, that computers is amazing. Their cinematography, not so much. So if anyone's seen any sort of... Uh, Chinese or Asian uh, films on like Netflix, you the CGI is amazing, but the cinematography it's just like someone with a regular home recorder going and filming it. And and so I think, but when we get into this, how we're going to get into this, let's put it that way, is that I'm going to let you talk about Chinese cinema and and what it what they're being offered right now and why it's so important. When a, a U.S. made film gets can get released into China and what it means to that market. So I'm going to let you start this one. Yeah. So uh, China right now is the biggest market in cinema right now in the world. Um, right now, the in 2028, it's expected to reach 8.11 billion dollars. And that's a lot of money that all the studios want. You know, um, you know, they make money here, but you make bigger money overseas. And in 2021, there was about 60 million uh, screens in China, which it's increased to just uh, over 82. And that's a lot of screens. You got to think a screen fits roughly around 200 people. Um, I know here um, in the U.S., you know, we got those big theaters, small towns, got the smaller ones, but there's still about 200 people in each show. And if you sell out, it's amazing. And the average ticket over there in China is 42.1 yuan, I believe that's how you say it, which is roughly about $6 American. And as you said, the movies that they put out, yes, uh, technologically and from a CGI standpoint and everything, they're cutting edge. 
Oh, they yeah. really are. Yeah, and they, they love that stuff over there. That's why the Fast and the Furious movie, it's such a going so good right there because they got all these special effects, uh, the explosions, the cars, all this stuff. That's that's usually who does all the special effects is a Chinese uh, special effects unit. And to to carry that forward, when we're talking about you know American cinema in China, you've got to go all the way back, believe it or not, to 1994. And the first American movie that was allowed to be released in China was The Fugitive, which was a great movie here. Oh, yeah. It was a great movie. Harrison Ford. And over there, it exploded. Now, here's the other thing, too. The Fugitive in China, in the release in China, made $3 million in in Chinese funds. Okay? Yeah. That's not a lot when you compare it to the United States, but over there, that's a blockbuster. Oh yeah. That is huge. Um, I, I was just watching a documentary the other night about Bruce Lee and one of the first movies that he made over in China made $2 million. And that was huge. And this was back in the seventies. So it, it still carries forward. So the, the deal with the 34 movies a year was actually struck back when our current sitting president, Joe Biden was vice president and he met with the vice president of China and they came up with this game, this deal where, okay, we're going to allow you to have 34 movies come into our country is what China was telling them. And then the studios actually, they increased the percentage that they got out of China, which was, I believe, roughly 25% of the gross ticket sales came back. And after that, you started seeing kind of a shift in the way movies were made. Now, there are some movies today even, when you make a movie and you get it ready to, before you can release it, you send a copy to China, to the Chinese government, and they watch it for what they call propaganda. Um, And things that are going to get you kicked out of China, anything to do with the Dalai Lama, Mm -hmm. Anything to do with like uh, Taiwanese independence or North Korea independence, anything like that is going to get you kicked out. Uh, there was a, there's a story about uh, the movie In Good Company with Topher Grace, where he is an up and coming executive and he is going to oust Randy Quaid, the older gentleman that's running the company. They would not let that movie into China because... Young, the youth are supposed to respect the elders in China. Yep. So that movie couldn't be made and couldn't go into China. But when it does and then when it hits, it is huge because one of the first big blockbusters to get into China was Transformers Age of Extinction. And that was in 2014 with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And that movie is still the highest grossing U.S. made movie in China today. Oh, yeah. Well, huge. it was shot in Hong Kong. And a lot of it was, and you, and you noticed this too. Um, I was telling you, I was reading a story about the new Mission Impossible movie. And there is a scene where it was filmed in Shanghai. And they're running through the city, and they're running through like a residential apartment area. And you know how in the United States they have, you know, clotheslines that run back and forth from the, the apartment buildings and things like that. Well, they had those in Shanghai. And they were asked to remove them because they felt like it didn't shine a good light on Shanghai. So they had to go in and digitally remove them to be allowed to show that movie in China. That, that's interesting because in the Transformers movie, they don't take any of that out. Yeah. So I And maybe it was because 
It was one of the mm. first big movies. Um, Marvel did this with, uh, I believe it was Age of Ultron, was one of the first big movies you could remember hearing about the fact that they they filmed in Korea. They were allowed to film in Korea and got a big push out of that. So there's that one. But then there are also movies where you're never going to get them there. No, no. Um, and we talked about this one. Uh, the, the name of the movie is, is Kundun. It was a Martin Scorsese movie from the late 90s. Yep. And also Seven Years in Tibet. Both of these movies, once again, dealt with the Dalai Lama. So this movie is not getting into China. And in the late 90s, Disney actually owned the movie Kundun. And And Michael Eisner, who was the CEO of Disney at the time, went to talk to the Chinese government to kind of try and, you know, smooth things over. And even at that point, he said, the bad news is the movie was released the good news is nobody saw it. <laughs> yeah, it was not a very good movie. So it is huge. And, and you also have to watch out for movies that are made by Sony because yeah. Sony is a huge company in China. And so all these things have to kind of line up and, and be perfect for you to get a movie into China. But if you can do that, as I said, it's huge, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to be able to get into China. Because it was, what was it, 2021 that it took over North America? Yes. And they are still, to this day, the biggest um, box office audience in the country. Because China has, what? Billions and billions billions of people. people. So, you know, that's why it is so important. And, And as I said, too, then once they knew what they had to do, they started to change the way yep. they made movies now. Got new guidelines. It's very rare that you will see anybody say anything negative about you know, communist China or China in general. Uh, just try and steer away from there. However, they love to go shoot there because people in that area will love to go see these movies of places that they know on the big screen. And they oh, yeah. come in droves when they go. Definitely. So it's one of those things you've got to keep an eye on. And, and now, now that I've l- dug into this a little bit, I'm going to do a little bit more closely watching of movies to see like, okay, I can tell that they did this for that reason or they did this for that reason. So it, I'll t- there's money to be made and they're going to find a way to do it. That's what it's all about because a- as you said at the beginning, uh, Chinese cinema is not that great. It no. really is not. Yeah, it's gotten a lot better. Um, you know, there's a lot more Asian uh, movies that uh, we watch that some of us might even know that's it's an Asian movie. Uh, like in, rec- in the recent years, uh, the movie The Big Sick mm-hmm. uh, on Amazon. Uh, that was a very good movie. It was it was an Asian movie. Uh, Paper Tigers on Netflix, very good movie. And Turning Red, the animation. Asian movie. movie, yep. So, you know, keep an eye out for these things now and and, and watch what they say and, and watch how things are handled in movies. And now you know the reason why. Yeah, and they're just getting better just, just this uh, last year. Um, everything, Everywhere, All at Once won seven Oscars. Huge movie. Yeah. Huge. So there's our little rundown. And I, I, I like to look into topics like this because it's fun because it's knowledge for me as well. Yeah. To, to know why we do these things. All right, Ryan, we had a listener send us um, uh, some tapes and, and their movie reviews. Yeah. Rather strange, though, because he will only review 
Johnny Depp movies. Ooh, interesting. But it, it's okay. And so we, we've got a few of them. We'll play them throughout, you know, the, the shows, and we'll play them on the shows and everything like that. So right here, uh, let's start with this one. Uh, we're going to call this one, or this gentleman that does these, um, he is the reason why the rum is always gone. Oh, snap. Yes, yes. Thank you, Dave and Ryan, for having me on the show. As you may know, it can be quite difficult for a pirate like myself to find work these days. Now, you may have guessed that, yes, I am Captain Jack Sparrow, and I've been tasked with reviewing an older film for these boys called What's Eating Gilbert Grape. This film was released in 1993, so possibly before many of you listeners were even born. The movie stars two of my favorite actors, Leonardo DiCaprio, famous for movies like Inception, and of course the very sad movie about the sinking ship, Titanic. They probably just needed a better captain. The other big name movie star in this film is none other than the Academy Award winner, Johnny Depp, who of course, as you all know, portrayed me in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I'm sorry, what? Could you say that again? Folks, I'm terribly sorry for the interruption, but I'm being told that, in fact, Johnny has never won an Oscar. And they call me a criminal. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, moving on. Johnny plays the main character, Gilbert Grape, whose main purpose is to take care of his family, mostly focusing on keeping his younger brother, Artie, played by DiCaprio, who is mentally handicapped, out of trouble, while taking care of his very obese mother, who has never left her house in the last seven years. Gilbert must juggle a life where he cares for family, He works a day job at a local grocery store, and yet still has the opportunity to find love with a girl named Becky, played by the lovely actress Juliette Lewis. I won't spoil the ending, despite the fact that the film is 30 years old, but I won't ruin it for you. I'm a pirate, not a troll. I will say this, however, the ending is a big surprise. At least it was to me. As far as popcorn buckets go, I give it four popcorn buckets. Two for Johnny Depp, one for Leonardo DiCaprio, and one for Juliette Lewis, simply for being an incredibly attractive actress. Thank you again, Dave and Ryan. Back over to you in the studio. Oh, oh, wait, one other thing. Juliet, if you are in fact listening, give old Jack a call, eh? So there it is. I like it. I, I think we're going to roll with it. Oh, I like it too. I can't think of a better person to, you know, review Johnny Depp movies. So uh, there was that one. It's going to be fun. Keep coming back. We'll keep playing things like this. This is good. The more we get from him, the more we're going to play him. How's that sound? Hey, coming up, we're going to take on a couple of cult classics. I'm going to talk about Dazed and Confused. Ryan will be talking about Napoleon Dynamite. So come back for that. Everyone shut up. Time to get back to work. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. Sometimes a great movie fails to catch a mass audience and becomes a box office failure. But like the unbearable presence of Seth Rogen, they hang around long enough to become... A cult classic. <laughs> 
Anyway, cultists typically want to make noise without being heard, because deep down, they know history may actually be right, and their movie flat out sucks. To represent the silent minority, we have Dave and Ryan talking cult classics. Okay, so my movie that I have chosen, and I, I have to say, sadly, I knew nothing about this movie until I met my wife. Really? She introduced me to this movie. It is the 1993 cult classic, Dazed and Confused. You got to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do, man. And let me tell you this. The older you do get, the more rules are going to try to get you to follow. <laughs> you just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. The movie that introduced everyone to Matthew McConaughey, and you know what? He was so good in it that people think that he's not even really acting. He was that good in this movie. Yeah, well, the way he acts now is a lot similar to that character. Well, he was a stoner in the movie, and everybody seems to think that he's a stoner in real life. So, True. We're, we're even there. <laughs> uh, this movie is great. It has to do with a bunch of friends on the last day of school. And they're all athletes, and the coach wants them to sign a contract. This is just part of it. Wants them to sign a contract stating that during the summer, they won't drink, they won't carry on, they won't smoke, they won't do anything. And the kid is a, a jock football player, and the coach wants him to sign this thing. And the, he's just not sure. He's not sure if that's what he wants to do. So it's really kind of a, a coming-of-age movie. But it just kind of goes through the motions of everything that goes on on the last day of school. Uh, this movie introduces to a lot of people, like I said, Matthew McConaughey. Ben Affleck is in this. Um, another one that m maybe some people may know from another favorite movie of mine, uh, Rory Cochran is in the movie. He, he plays Lucas in Empire Records, if you've ever seen that movie. Yeah. He's in this one. But it's just it's a great movie. And it's one of those movies that when I'm flipping through the channels... And it's on, I'm like, okay, night's done. Remote's on the ground, I'm watching this movie because it's just that much fun. And it it does have a lot of classic one-liners that you might not even realize are from this movie. Like that one right there, L-I-V-I-N. That, that came from this movie. And all right, all right, all right, came <laughs> from this movie. It, it's just, it's a really good, it's a fun movie to watch because... It reminds you of your childhood and growing up. So once again, maybe they're tapping into that nostalgia bug. I, I don't know, but it just reminds you of going to parties in high school and going and hanging out and all the stupid things that go on. And, and you know, there's a whole scene at the beginning of the movie that probably couldn't get made right now because it's about hazing and things like that. And, and that's just what you lived through when you were growing up and going to high school. Yeah. So those are the fun things that are going on in this movie. And yeah, when it first came out, not a real big smash. It came out in 1993. And, and that's the thing that I think is really kind of dooming us when it comes to cult classics because you don't have a secondary market to watch them now. You know, you don't have a VHS tape. You don't have a DVD that you can throw them in. Everything's got to be streamed now. You look at somebody with a VHS tape, they're like looking at you like you're wearing a fruit hat. And I, you're missing out on that. And, and cult classics, you know, that's what they're all about is watching them over and over again. So for me, that is probably one of my favorite cult classics is, is Dazed and Confused. Great movie. Catch it streaming. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. 
Honestly, I, I would say streaming is a lot better than the old VHS. It is, but it's not. I mean, it is mobile to a certain extent. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there is one certain actor that you forgot to mention. Okay, and he's on a very, very popular TV series, Cole Hauser. Oh, Cole Hauser! You don't even recognize him. <laughs> no, he looks nothing like Rip from Yellowstone. No. I'll put it that way. You don't even recognize him in this movie. But yeah, that's true. He is in this one. I completely spaced that off because, like I said, you don't recognize him. All right, it's your turn. Go ahead and take it away. I, I am doing Napoleon Dynamite. Sorry, Ryan. This movie smells as bad as Randy Quaid looks. I couldn't find any clips that were even remotely funny. And if you disagree with me, it's about time you move out of your parents' basement. <laughs> take it away. How can you follow that? Oh, I agree she had you wholeheartedly. Nailed. I do not think this is a good movie at all. I don't know why people love this movie so much. It's horrible. It's very, very slow paced. The entire movie just seems like it just drags your feet. And there's no character development. Napoleon is the same person at the beginning of the movie that he is at the end of the movie. Okay, I'm going to say something that you say all the time. Is he, though? He is. Okay. N name, name away how he changed at the end of the movie. By the end of the movie, he has the power and the strength and the fortitude to go and talk to that girl and hang out with that girl that he didn't at the beginning of the movie. Is he? He becomes a better person. <laughs> he traded Pedro like crap throughout the entire movie. And Pedro is the only person that actually has just a little bit of character development. Uncle Rico... <laughs> oh, don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. Dave. Uncle Rico was funny, but it was a horrible character. Someone who lives in their past. <clears throat> Dave. <clears throat> Kip. He is the only person that's really relatable in this movie. Someone who just has an online life. That's most kids today. Okay. Deb. She was a little weird. You got to admit it. She's selling boondoggle with her one ponytail to the side and then dawn and summer typical high school bullies that way over the dramatized over the top all i'm going to say is about this movie i liked this movie and i will tell you why everybody in their life has had a napoleon dynamite phase think about it Everybody has been the odd man out at least once in their life. Everyone has had that. They've had to come overcome something in their life. And, and yes, everybody has been Napoleon Dynamite at least once in their life. I may still be Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> that you may. But Napoleon lies throughout the entire movie, even f just for no reason, just because he doesn't want to do something. But who does it hurt at the end of the day? Himself and his friends yeah. and his relationships with his friends. He only liked Pedro because he had a bike that could, he could take off of sweet jumps, let's be honest. Yeah, and how well did that work out for him? Well, there was that one. <laughs> yeah, but let's talk about the main character, Napoleon, who's played by John Heater. Besides Ben Swarmer's Blades of Glory and Surf's Up, what has he done? Can well, you name anything? Well, Napoleon Dynamite got him those jobs. Yeah, those three, and then that was it. He hasn't done anything since. There was a failed TV show they tried to make. That was horrible. Uh, it's, it is... Honestly, um, Napoleon has... There's a certain medical condition that most people feel that he has. Okay. 
Asperger's. Okay. And so apparently throughout the movie, the the kid who has a disability, everyone hates and makes fun of him. Does mean things about him. That's not a good movie. That's not a good that's not a good plot. That's not a good story. That's not a good message to send out to people. Pick on the person who's disabled. But he overcomes. Does he? Yes, he does. He talks to someone. Ooh. He talks to somebody. He has the um you know what? He has the confidence to get up on stage and do a really good dance, might I add. In front of the whole school. That when he knows everybody's going to Would not have him. worked at all in real life, and you know that. Okay. You say okay, but it wouldn't have. But I'm just saying he did it. It was a horrible movie, and you know it. <laughs> Look at me in the eye, Dave. Look I at think me. Dave, Dave, I'm right here. There were so many different layers to this movie that I, I think it's a lot deeper than anybody really can understand. Yeah, just like an onion, it made me cry at how bad it is. Well... Okay, but I'll give you that. That's your opinion. But it's still a cult classic. People still watch it all the time. And I don't know why. My my family loves this movie, and I just think it's complete garbage. Well, I can tell you why people here love it. Because it was just filmed over the border in Idaho. That's why people here love this yeah. movie. Have, have you even seen the original one that went to uh, that went to uh, Sundance? No, was it worse than this one? Is that what you're trying to say? Or was it better? Honestly, it's probably better. In the original, Pedro is two people. And in the movie, he was made into one. All right. That's where opinions differ. That's why we get together every week and talk, every right? Every week, yep. All right. Before we get out of here, I think we need to mention Indiana Jones coming up June 30th. June 30th. This is going to be a lot of fun. Come on down to the station here in Carbonville. Pick up your tickets. $10 for reserve seats. All seats are reserved, so you can't go wrong there. And if you don't want to see all five movies, you don't have to. No. That's the point of the reserved seat. If you want the VIP treatment, you're going to get all the movies. You're going to get a popcorn tub. You're going to get a cool T-shirt. And you're going to get lunch from Ruben's Barbecue. I love Ruben's. So come on down today. Get your tickets. Let's get this taken care of. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be there, and we want you to be there as well for the big Indiana Jones movie marathon coming up June 30th down at the Price Theaters. That's going to do it for us this week, Ryan. I appreciate the conversation. It was all right. I think we'll be okay, and we'll do it again next week. How's that? Awesome. Until then, take care of yourself. And that brings us to the end of this week's journey. But don't worry. Dave and Ryan have more movies to watch and more opinions to spew next week. You'll be the first to hear about the new Jennifer Lawrence comedy, No Hard Feelings, opening nationwide June 23rd. We'll also talk about the possible superhero fatigue at the box office. You can relive and download today's episode at CastleCountryRadio.com. We'll see you next week on Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. I just enjoy your weekend. I'll see you next week.